You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff. The game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. This is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to Triviality, the show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil and I will be your host for today's game. In the studio uh, is our scorekeeper for today, Matt. How's it going, Matt? Not too bad. Great, and uh, it's going to be a one-on-one match today. Uh, our first competitor is Jeff. Hello. And our second competitor is Ken. Hey, how are you guys doing today? If you've been listening so far, you know how the game works, but just to reiterate, it's going to be 20 questions split into two halves of 10 questions each. In between those two halves is going to be a swing round, which is up to the host. So today you will find out what my swing round is in a little bit. And then we move into a final round, which is going to be five questions with specific categories where the competitors can wager any and all of the points that they have earned so far. So if you guys are ready, I think we should just uh, get started. I'm prepared for a brutal whooping. Don't be. I I bet this does not go as well as I am anticipating. All right, well, I'm going to build it up so I I psych you out. (laughs) Yeah, that'll probably work. One of Jeff's specialties is also modesty. (laughs) All right, well, uh, let's get started. Question one. Chris Sarandon of Fright Night fame is the voice of Jack Skellington, in A Nightmare Before Christmas. But who actually does the singing for Jack in the film? I know this one, I believe. I feel pretty confident. I'm in, so Jeff can feel free to discuss with his consciousness. I'm gonna submit an answer which is completely wrong and get this over with as quickly as possible. All right, uh, so Ken seemed pretty confident. Let's go with Ken first. So I believe um, Danny Elfman did the music for the film and also provided the singing voice for Jack. All right, and Jeff, what did you say? Um, I, I say that Ken's answer sounds much better than mine, but I put Michael Bolton. An interesting choice. I'm trying to imagine that right now. I, I would see it. It would the, be hilarious. But the correct answer is Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. A lot of people at Trivia, uh, when we go, I always see them making the mistake of thinking Tim Burton was the director of A Nightmare Before Christmas, but it was actually Henry Selleck, director of Coraline. Burton was just credited as writer and producer. That's right. So make sure to remember that for your own Trivia Nights. Danny Elfman of Oingo Boingo fame. Oingo Boingo. Matt is a big Oingo Boingo fan. <laughs> That one song that they do. (laughs) Weird science. All right, so right into question two. What sport features famous characters such as Anger Management, King Kong, Dragon Slayer, and El Loco Hombre? Can you uh, repeat that question? What sport features famous characters such as Anger Management, King Kong, Dragon Slayer, and El Loco Hombre? Uh, I've got an answer. I I have a thought. Okay, are you both in? Yeah. All right, let's start with Jeff this time. 
So they sound like wrestlers. So I put wrestling. Okay. Yeah, I've also put pro wrestling, but if you need more specificity, then let us know. Matt is also a wrestling fan like myself. Uh, Matt, do you think those are wrestlers? They sound like wrestlers. Well, in fact, they are monster truck racers. Mm-hmm. Monster truck racing is the correct answer. You're also using the term sport very loosely in that <laughs> sense. <laughs> So starting off pretty fast so far, right into question three. You guys might have better luck with this one. In 1926, in front of a crowd of 150,000, this president broke his notorious silence to dedicate the Liberty Memorial at the National World War I Museum. Let me think for a moment here. Was it a sitting president? It was. Okay. I believe he was standing when he... I'm sorry. 1926, you said? I'll repeat the question. In 1926, in front of a crowd of 150,000, this president broke his notorious silence to dedicate the Liberty Memorial at the National World War I Museum. Hmm. Six. I've got an answer. Okay. I also have a guess. Well, informed guess, but guess nonetheless. All right. Let's go with Ken. What's your answer? Just based on the year, uh, I went with Calvin Coolidge. Uh, I don't know anything about a, a famous... Silence being broke, but that's what I went with. All right, and Jeff? I also believe in 1926 Calvin Coolidge was president, so I went with Calvin Coolidge as well. Well, he was known as Silent Silent Cal Cal. and was the 30th president of the United States, Calvin Coolidge. So I did some research on Calvin Coolidge when I looked up this question, and the favorite thing that I had read during my research was the fact that President Coolidge enjoyed childish pranks, such as buzzing for his bodyguards and then hiding under his desk as they frantically searched for him, presumably fearing him kidnapped. It's a good prank. Good prank. Good presidential prank. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. I would totally do that. The old classic hide under your desk after you call your bodyguards prank. I mean... We've all done it, so... That's probably why he was such a sh** president. Uh, He's pulling pranks all the time, yeah. And he never talked. I mean, everyone said that he's just, you know, was a, a bad apple and always in a bad mood. Except when he's pranking his Secret Service. He pranked the United States by pretty much engineering the Great Depression as well. No, he just rode the train down. (laughs) All right, so... So Jeff is on the board after that question. So welcome to the game, Jeff. Uh, Thank you. What's our score right now, Matt? It is 20 to 10, Ken with an early lead. Great, okay, and we're on question four. In the song, They Can't Take That Away From Me. According to the lyrics, till what time did they dance? Hmm. They can't take that away from me. According to the lyrics, till what time did they dance? Okay. I wrote something down. I've never heard of this. Maybe I have. I'm sure you have. I don't. It's not ringing a bell. I'm in the same position. Probably would recognize I've sung this song, but I know there's a rule of no singing, but I will just say the lyrics. Well, I'm I'm locked, so... uh, Jeff is locked? I'm in too. So sing away, Neil. All right, so Jeff... Don't sing. I'm not going to sing. Don't worry. <laughs> this well, is this is the in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. This is pretty much that that one section where that guy just says no singing. He's I won't sing. Don't worry. Son to enjoy I will. I will uh, read it in the rhythm of the song, but I won't sing it. Jeff, what is your answer? So, um, great time to stop doing something. I put midnight. I also put midnight. If you remember the song, uh, my favorite version, Frank Sinatra. Uh, it goes the way you hold your knife. The way we danced till three. Mm. The way you changed my life. No, no, they can't take that away from me. Uh, Written by George Gershwin and Ira Gershwin, the song was introduced in the 1937 film Shall We Dance and was sung by Fred Astaire to Ginger Rogers. Yeah, I I did not know that one. Uh, Maybe I'd recognize it, but I probably couldn't have come up with it either way. So, yeah, I can't feel too bad about that one. 
No, no, it's okay. I'm sure you guys have all heard it, though. They, You know, the way you uh, sip your tea, the way you wear your hat. You've heard it at a wedding, I'm sure. All right, guys, it's time for question five, which we like to call our listener-submitted question. If you have a good question that you'd like to send us to incorporate into the game, make sure to send us an email to trivialitypodcast at gmail.com. And in the subject line, put question five with one of the host's name, uh, either Neil, Jeff, Ken, or Matt. Uh, So today's question uh, is actually brought to us by Mark P. Smith of Chicago. Mark is actually the co-host of the other podcast that I do, Best of the Best. Uh, It's a podcast where we uh, we talk movies uh, and uh, pick categories like best buddy cop movies, best sex comedies, uh, best Razzie Award winners, just fun different categories. And then we whittle down uh, all those movies uh, in the specific category into a top five list to choose the best of the best. So, uh, yeah, if you guys want to check it out... uh, on your uh, podcast app, just type in best of the best radar and it'll come right up. Uh, but yeah, Mark is uh, giving us a question today, so let's go for it. Angel Falls is the world's highest uninterrupted waterfall in the world. What country is it in? Country. Oh, you could have just asked me what the highest waterfall is because I happen to know that. Mm. The country. This is This is brutal. I can't even like... I would give you a region, but I don't want you to back your way into it. Go ahead. It'll make things interesting. Okay, I have a guess. Okay, so I'm pretty sure it's a former British territory. And I want to say the waterfall is near around Lake Victoria. Mm-hmm. But I, I couldn't tell you what country it's in. I mean, it's obviously in Africa. Yeah. But uh, I have a, an answer that I wrote down, and we'll just go with it. Well, Angel Falls uh, is Should not we... in Africa. Oh, it's not. Oh. It is not, but uh, I want to hear, Ken, what is your answer? I say Congo. Congo? Jeff? With Zimbabwe. Mm. Angel Falls is actually in Venezuela. Mm. Is it really? Bad on us. Wow. I was so wrong on that. So here's a little comparison for you. The falls are 3,212 feet in height. In comparison, Niagara Falls are 167 feet. I was going to say, it's maybe 200. We're moving on to question six. Which of these animals has the highest top speed? I'm going to give you five animals. Lion, pronghorn antelope, saluki, or Persian greyhound, American quarter horse, or Mongolian wild ass. Which of these animals has the highest top speed? Lion, pronghorn antelope, saluki, otherwise known as Persian greyhound, American quarter horse, or Mongolian wild ass. Okay. I have a guess. Purely a guess. Saluki's the Southern Illinois mascot, isn't it? That is correct. I always, wonder, I always wondered what that was. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. So that's, that's good information. That's why, have. that's what I guessed. Looks like we got answers in for both of our competitors. Okay. Saluki, as I said. All right, so Ken, uh, Ken went with Saluki. I went Greyhound. Also, Jeff also went with Saluki. Uh, so at uh, 40 miles per hour, uh, you have the Mongolian wild ass top speed at 43 miles per hour you have the saluki at 50 miles per hour you have the lion at at 55 miles per hour you have the american quarter horse and the fastest of the five at 61 miles per hour is the pronghorn antelope pretty 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 bad aren't they the prey animal of the cheetah (laughs) uh yes but uh interesting fact being that it has larger vital organs such as the lungs and heart it can sustain their lightning speed longer than the cheetah but if the cheetah gets it in its grasp, then it's pretty much dead. The other thing that antelope are really great at is jumping. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to not be eaten by them, typically. But yeah, I was really uh, interested to find that out because I was trying to look for fast animals that weren't cheetahs. And I saw the pronghorn antelope. Or the, uh, what's the fastest animal? The ostrich. No, no, the uh, not land animal. The, um, um, 
the Peregrine Falcon? Yeah. Peregrine Falcon is, is the, the fastest. Peregrines? I believe so. You're just saying fastest animal in fastest general? Fastest animal, yeah. They can, they can nosedive at like 200 miles an hour. I think that's That seems correct. very scary. Not for a bird, though, you know. Well, you gotta, yeah, you got to put your, your self in the mind frame of a bird. Unfortunately, I can't give you bonus points, Jeff, but you were correct. The peregrine falcon is the fastest bird mm-hmm. and the fastest member of the animal kingdom with a diving speed of 242 miles per hour. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's pretty crazy. That's fast. All right, so we're moving on to question seven. This customizable toy was the first toy to be advertised on television in 1952. What toy was that? What, this- what year was that? It was 1952. Okay. Can know. you clarify customizable? I'm assuming you can't. <laughs> That's pretty clear. It, it, yeah, it would, it would give it away. Customizable. I actually, the original question that I researched did not even have customizable, and I thought maybe it would give you an advantage to, to put it in there, so I did. I've yeah. got an answer. Yep, me too. All right, so Jeff, uh, what do you got? So I was thinking 1950s era, and I was thinking about a lot of uh, Western themes. I went Lincoln Logs. Okay, I was thinking Mr. Potato Head. All right. Well, originally the toy just came with plastic parts that had push pins so you could use a real potato. It is Mr. Potato Head. Wow. Uh, due to complaints regarding rotting vegetables and new government safety regulations, <laughs> Hasbro began including a plastic potato body within the toy set in who, 1964. Who would have thought that, that would have been a good idea to so maybe was, include the potato? I was portion. thinking early 60s, which is why I didn't think about... Mr. Potato My head. first thought was Lincoln Logs or Tinker Toys was kind of what I was yeah. thinking in that range, too. I was but... hoping that would be sort of the, the confusion that someone would guess that. And I thought it was very interesting as well that they used real potatoes. And I knew that. And so in the 1960s, it, it became a little more famous. But yeah, it was the first one advertised on television. I'd love to grab one of those Mr. Potato Heads and just have have one, you know. Just to play with? No, just to, you know, display. I'm sure I can find oh, yeah. my yeah. old one oh, from they when still, I was a They kid. still sell them. If you want it. No, no, that's okay. I thought I have, you meant one of the original potatoes. I'm like, that is, <laughs> that is not good. I want a 50-year-old rotting potato. <laughs> Let me do my math. 60-year-old rotting potato. <laughs> well, I, I loved Mr. Potato Head in Toy Story. That was always a fun character. All right, so who's we the, are... Who's the voice? I believe it was Don Rickles. Uh, no, it was uh, Rickles Norm, was wasn't it? Yeah, Ratzenberger. No, it was Don Rickles. Ratzenberger it was Don Rickles. Ham. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, okay. Okay, Don Rickles. That's who it was. Questioning my uh, film knowledge here. No, I just... Negative one points you. for Matt. How dare you guys? <laughs> no, Matt's definitely going to end with negative points. Negative one. Matt's... He had one point for being a great scorekeeper so oh, far. okay. So break even. All right, so we are at uh, number eight. This one I think you guys are going to get, so we're going to bump up these scores. The Vatican Bank is the world's only bank that allows ATM users to perform transactions in this language. Very excited writing from both of our contestants on this one. Well, not excited. I just think it's got to be this. Mm-hmm. I also happen to know that this is true. Okay. Can I ask a bank question to the guy who works as a banker? Jeff is a banker, and I was hoping that he would get this This is trash. Quickly. This is rigged. <laughs> Jeff, right. uh, let's start with you since you are the banker. You know there are ATMs that dispense gold bars? Are there really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, this not wasn't the election. question, though, and it's not... What about gold bullion? Well, bullion is just a it's just a word for um, gold, basically gold bars and things like that that don't have a monetary value associated. Oh, this makes me think of lethal weapon, gold bullion. Uh, okay, so what's what's your answer, Jeff? So I said that they can do transactions in Latin. Okay, Ken. As did I. Well, rectum responsum es Latin. Excuse Latin. me. <laughs> what was that? Rectum responsum. What was es that first Latin. one? <laughs> 
I don't know Latin, but the correct answer is Latin. That is yeah. that's right. I thought that was the invisibility spell in Harry Potter. To be honest, I'm gonna so. I'm gonna double check the bullion definition. But yeah, I'm curious about that. So, yeah. uh, does the Pope have an ATM card? Or do you think people just get money out for him, or they just give him things? The fun part about the Vatican is it's the smallest country that's allowed to print euros, or not print euros, but they're they're allowed to use the euro as a cir- as a circulated currency. Wow. Because they used to use the Italian lira, but um, I did see a video of a pizza owner rushing after the pope in his pope mobile giving him a freshly made pizza that he took yeah i mean it's free pizza free pizza don't say no to free pizza. okay so um bullion is the stock before coining so it's essentially just a, a weight it's a it's a the metal value is in its weight it's not gotcha. oh i see yeah. currency i see so like uh u.s silver proof coins have a monetary value and they're made into coins those would not be bullion interesting um, all right, we are at question nine, almost at the end of the first round. 1962 introduced us to the cartoon family, the Jetsons. Within five years, and what year did the show actually take place? Okay. So the answers have to be within five, giving you a little bit I, I have a thought. Haven't watched that show in a very long time, but it was always entertaining. All right, I've got an answer. All right. All right, uh, Ken, let's go with you first. All right, so... Purely out of the fact that usually these uh, more more child geared sci fi shows usually way underestimated the time it would take to uh, to get that sort of technology. I just went with the year two thousand. Uh, good logic there. Good good logic, Jeff. So I had a similar thought um, in the back of my head. There's something telling me that it's a little bit later. It's more yeah, like twenty. It may be. It may it's be. more of like a twenty one hundred. But I went two thousand and four giving me the tail end of the 1990s. So I will say both of you are uh, way under, actually. The correct answer is 2062. Oh, wow. So though the Jetsons never specified exactly what year in the future the show so took it's place, supposed to be 100, 100 years, years the all of their press material said it was 2062, a century in the future from mm. its debut. I had a... I had that in the back so of the, the So the jury's still out, whether that's a prophetic sort of show. Yes, correct. Maybe. So we, we could be It could happen. Around. Could still happen. What was the maid's name? Rosie. Rosie. Rosie, that's right. The only reason I thought of that question is WWE just came out with a Jetsons WWE crossover, which what? is just going to be great, great family fair. <laughs> what? Basically, the big the big show is in the future, and he's taking over the world, and the Jetsons go back in time to get the best WWE wrestlers they can to defeat him. Who, what <laughs> What executive thought it would be, you know what's really hot right They're, now, the um, Jetsons? Their Scooby-Doo crossovers do really well. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, you're talking about a, probably a predominantly slightly older audience who would remember that. Who's, as a who's kid. into Hanna Barbera cartoons right now? Well, that's what it's older people with kids who remember it from their childhood. I guess. And forcing the, I guess that on makes their sense. children. Maybe that's just not, you know, in my in my wheelhouse. I don't know. I mean, they were even they were pretty well rerun even when we were kids in the early yeah, 90s. I, I, I didn't like them. I didn't say you liked them. <laughs> Yeah, before like I, I said, it must, must not be in my wheelhouse. A... I didn't realize there were, I mean, I know they're respected, but I, I didn't realize there, was, there were still really, <laughs> all right, well. All right, so we're, we're here at the final question of round one. Matt, what's our score update? Right now, Ken is leading 40 to 20. So question 10. I want you to imagine a computer keyboard, and do not look at mine that is sitting right in front of me. What is the only U.S. state you can type on one row of keys? So try to imagine oh, a keyboard. this is impossible. It's not impossible. The thing that's really unfortunate is I've heard this question before. Yeah. So you know it. Right I think Matt knew no. it. It looked like he knew it. Yeah. I don't know it is the problem. You said just the we right hand? 
No, I didn't specify a hand. It just uh, if you imagine Another a computer row. keyboard, what is the only U.S. state you can type on one row of one keys? One row. Okay. Oh, the f- okay. The full row. Well, okay. I have a guess. And for the listeners, there are no keyboards in front of them. I could think about this all day and maybe come up with it, but I I don't want to do that. So, we'll just put one down. Kind of as a mm. team player, doesn't want to elongate the game. Oh, but actually. But he's still got some time to think because Jeff's still thinking. So I'm going to change my answer. Uh, oh, I, I got had, it. I had pulled a few friends, and for some reason they all knew it immediately, and I was very shocked because I had no idea. Looks like both of them are in. All right. Thanks, Matt. Okay, so let's start with Ken on this one. Well, for me, uh, the keyboard is uh, purely an instinctual motion sort of affair, so not, not visual for me. So I just went with main as I could have thought about it and guessed for a while, but I just went with main. Okay, so conscious Stephen King answer there. And Jeff? I went Alaska. The correct answer in the title of a John Green book I know Jeff has read, looking for Alaska. That is the correct answer, Alaska. Once you hear it, now you're doing it in your head. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. Well, it's funny. I started out thinking, okay, what are short ones? And I went Utah, no, Ohio, no. And then I thought, well, let's run through it alphabetically really quick. And I'm like, Alabama, no, that's out AL, right? You know, or uh, AL. Uh, the B, you know, and then I was just like Alabama, Alaska. Oh, Alaska works perfect. Yeah. Without, without my down. hands on the keys, I couldn't even. Yeah. Maine's actually three different rows. Yes. Whoops. And also, you, <laughs> you dropped a letter off of it. <laughs> what? M a i n e. That's what I have. Oh, I didn't. See, I it's just, right there. Okay. I have crap handwriting. All right. After round one, we have Ken up forty to thirty. If they've decided on, they're done discussing the last question. So we yeah, can move on oh, to. Yeah, this. we're done. We can move on to the swing round now. On. All right, so uh, the swing round today, gentlemen, is going to be a uh, rehash of episode one. Uh, we're going to be doing a tug of war, one of our favorite swing rounds. Uh, so today's category is Barnum's Animal Crackers. You all know the Animal Crackers. They come in that nice box. They have different animals. Uh, the current slate of Barnum's Animal Crackers is 18 animals. You what? are both going to go back and forth. You're going to name as many of the animals as you can think of. One thing I'm going to change from episode one is I'm going to give you each one mistake. Mm-hmm. So you have one mistake, but you're going to get 10 points for each correct guess, and you have the opportunity to gain 90 extra points if you don't miss. I will give you 30 seconds to write down as many as you want to prepare, and then I'm going to start, and we're going to, we're going to go. And fun fact before we start, the string on the boxes of animal crackers were originally placed there so the container could be hung from a Christmas tree. Hmm. So think about that. Other fun fact, did you know that the top of juice boxes are folded so that kids could pop up the tabs to hold it better? That's not, that makes sense, yeah. Other than me spilling it on myself like I used to. Okay, so Jeff, uh, you're going to go first. All right, uh, I'm going to go for the easy one here, elephant. Correct. I'm going to say lion. Correct. I'm going to go camel. Correct. Monkey. Correct. Hippopotamus. Correct. Um, I'm going to say bear. Correct. Giraffe. Correct. Gorilla. Correct. You said lion already? Okay. And you said these are just animal designs, right? That That is right. Okay. A slate of 18 current animals. Mm-hmm. We have eight answered already. Wow. You guys, this is going to be a nice swing round here. You guys are going to move forward pretty heavily. Is there a tiger? This is where it starts to get tough. You said... Is there a tiger? There is a tiger, correct? What about a penguin? That is Ken's first incorrect answer. So after this, he will be out. I'm going to go alligator. That is Jeff's first incorrect answer. So far, just so you guys know, we've said bear, camel, 
elephant, giraffe, gorilla, hippopotamus, monkey, tiger. How about a uh, buffalo? I will accept buffalo. It's bison, bison. but yeah, I accept it. You, sh- you shouldn't accept it because it's two distinct animals. I know, but I, I, if children was looking at it, they'd probably say buffalo. Okay, so. very well. We're all children here at heart. Yeah. Thank you for your, your gracious acceptance. Mm-hmm. Just PayPal me that money. Later. All right. I'll, I'll send it to you. We've gotten 10 of the 18 mm-hmm. so far. Is that right? So we have five correct answers for each person with one miss. So yeah, either of you answer incorrectly, that you're out. But you've both gained 50 points so far. This is pretty great. Are the points going to cancel this week or are we going to... No, I'm going to just give them to you. All right. Cool. I, want, I want this to makes be for a high score. Makes for game. a good uh, final round. I'm going to say rhinoceros. Ooh. That's that is correct. How about a dolphin? And with the last incorrect answer for this round, Ken is out. Jeff, you get to go until you fail. Sweet. So how many points did Ken get, Matt? He has 50. 50 points. Great great swing round by Ken here. Currently, Jeff has six correct for a plus 60. So we've named 11 of the 18. We're tied now. So we've named bear, bison or buffalo, camel, elephant, giraffe, gorilla, hippopotamus, lion, monkey, rhinoceros, tiger. There's one I think you guys said. I just don't want to give it out just in case. I don't feel like there's any aquatic animals in here. You said penguin earlier and that just didn't seem right. I mean, I've got other ones that would be kind of cool, but I don't I don't think they're circus quality animals. I'm going to give uh, Jeff about 10, 10 more seconds to, to answer. Uh, I'll just go with another big cat. I'll go with a leopard. And Jeff is out. So thank you. <laughs> here is the the 18 animals that are in the current slate of Barnum's Animal Crackers: koala, Ugh. bear, bison, camel, cougar, cougar, elephant, giraffe, gorilla, hippopotamus, hyena, kangaroo, lion, monkey, rhinoceros, seal, sheep, tiger, and zebra. I Yikes. I was thinking seal, and I think. Cougar was the other one I was thinking of because I was like, I th- I'm sure there's another cat one. Yeah. But I, I... surprised there's no wolf in there. Or... Yeah, it is. It is surprising. I, I, it might have been in a previous iteration because um, there are some uh, competitors who make cookies just like Animal Crackers that have uh, more animals than they I'm do. Glad, but... I'm glad you weren't able to run away too badly with that one. I was a larger kid, so I probably didn't get to see many of the shapes. They just went directly into my mouth. So. <laughs> So that was that was my experience as a kid. So oh. after the swing round, we're now up to 90 to 90. So it's anybody's game. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more, We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call she, the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Shaped, um, and that lady's Matt also blissfully unaware that the uh, marshmallows and Lucky Charms had shapes as well. <laughs> <laughs> I can name those. That, ladies and gentlemen, is why the swing round is so important. We have a tie game going into round two, exciting 90 to 90. Uh, we're gonna start round two off with a bang, kind of a serious question, uh, but I believe you guys might get it on February 14th, 1989. Iran's supreme leader. Ayatollah Khomeini issued a fatwa against this writer, sentencing him to death for insulting Islam with his novel, The Satanic Verses. Mm-hmm. I'm already in. Well, I know this guy. Jeff um, is in. Okay. I, I wish you wouldn't have said the novel name. I was hoping that would make it harder. No, I, 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 had, I had the same answer regardless. All right, let's start with Ken. Uh, I have not read this or his works, but I believe his name was Rushdie. Okay, Jeff? Uh, Another one of his books that I quite enjoyed is Midnight's Children. For any of you who uh, are so inclined, it's a great um, telling of the British colonialization of India. That would be Salman Rushdie. Rushdie is correct. Great writer. Uh, And a little fun fact here, in case this ever pops up for you guys. The names of two of his favorite writers, Joseph Conrad and Anton Chekhov, became his alias while he was hiding after the fatwa, Joseph Anton, which is also a title of one of his famous works, which is very good. He hid in Great Britain, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I think that is correct, yep. Uh, it was a funny story he was saying where uh, his guards, they would be eating dinner in a private location, and they would keep calling him Joe, and he hated it, because he's like, we know who we are, no one else is here, just call me mm-hmm. by my name, and they kept calling him Joe. All right, uh, great. So uh, question number two. Uh, unfortunately, Matt is not playing, but I, I know he will know this one immediately. That means that I will not. <laughs> we might get a zero on both of these. In 2017, oh, no. this German-born NBA power forward recently crossed 30,000 career points to become number six on the NBA all-time scoring leaders list. German. I'm in. I added that to sort of help anyone who didn't know basketball. Well, but... Still yeah. still in trouble here. Well, how many Germans actually play in the NBA? There's not very I... many. It's like Shaquille O'Neal was Irish, so. <laughs> oh, boy. Kobe Bryant was Japanese. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Um, I'm just doing a really quick uh, rundown of the NBA players I know that may, might be German, but I, I this is not my strong suit, so I'm just going to really quickly think, and if I can't come up with anything, I'm, I'm... He's been playing for quite a long time, right, Matt? Mm. That's okay. the only reason I think I have a chance here. Shoot. To get 30,000 points, you tend to have to play a long time. Yeah. Um, it's not uh, It's not in the cards for me. So I have a, I have a guess that's incorrect because I believe he's retired. But 
Okay, uh, Jeff, let's start with you. So I went with a, I don't know if he's still with them or he was a former Dallas Maverick, Dirk Nowitzki. Okay. Well, I was just going to say that. No. (laughs) Uh, I went with Nash. I believe he's retired and not German. He's he's uh, actually Canadian. There you go. Uh, Well, uh, Jeff got a basketball question right. He he wasn't confident about it, but it was Dirk Nowitzki of the Dallas Mavericks. And uh, just since Matt is here and he's our scorekeeper, or anyone else who wants to, to play along in this studio. Any guesses on who the top five are in front of Dirk? No. In front of Dirk? Well, it's Wilt. Wilt, Wilt is number five. Uh, Kareem. Kareem is number one. It's not Kobe. It's Kobe is number three. Kobe is three. Mm-hmm. And Jordan? Jordan's number four, and we you, need number two. Larry Bird. I'm not assuming, Larry. No, I'm assuming um, Kobe's entire run was the last season where people just let him run up the scoreboard. The Harlem Globetrotter year for Kobe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, number two being Karl Malone. That is correct, the mailman. Ooh, taking more shots than Karl Malone. It's pretty crazy. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is almost 2,000 points higher than Karl Malone. So I don't think anyone's going to hit that anytime soon. Yeah, they said um, LeBron would have to average 26 points a game for like the next six, seven years in order to catch. That's crazy. It was a different time. Yeah. Different time. Whoa. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is fighting Bruce Lee, scoring a lot of points. You'd say he was the cream of the crop. Ooh, the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. <laughs> All right, number three. Question number three. Only one McDonald's in the world has turquoise arches. As local government officials thought the yellow would look bad with the natural red rock of the city. Name the U.S. state these turquoise arches exist in. Can I be within one state? <laughs> Uh, you cannot be within one Because I'm pretty sure I know the geographic region. It's a, it's a little tricky, too. There, there is a clue in the question, but it can also serve as a trick. You know what? I'm going to change my answer to the other one, I'm thinking. And if it's the first thing, then I will hate myself forever. Ken is uh, racking his brain, trying to picture those turquoise arches. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I'm going to go back to my original answer. This is going to be a hard one for Jeff, because if you get it wrong, it's going to be disappointing. Right. It'll almost certainly it. be the other one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So Ken is in. Ken? Ooh, well. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go to you next. It's Jeff, fine. what do you got? So I felt like it was in Sedona, Arizona. Um, I don't know for sure. I, I went back and forth. I wrote Arizona, then I wrote New Mexico, then I wrote Arizona again. I'm just going to stick with my original guess of Arizona. Okay. Ken? I uh, also went with Arizona at the last moment could be wrong i could just kind of picture that i was not expecting anyone to pin it down to the actual city but it is sedona arizona i've actually been to there have you really <laughs> i've been to there i've been to there <laughs> i tried to give you a hint i wanted to go to there i want to go so to i there. went to there i don't know if the hint helped you but red rock is a state park in arizona that's what i was trying to help you out with yeah originally i was uh, kind of on the wrong wrong path and then i really thought of that like pastel green color and i was like that's gotta be i've actually seen a photo of it mm-hmm. that's so i mean i can see the, i don't the recall backdrop. seeing that mcdonald's however when i was there what was your other answer was it nevada no i was new thinking mexico. new mexico new mexico oh that's a that is a, that is a i mean they're guess. right they're right there that was, those are my top three I, I assumed you guys would pick would be nevada new mexico and arizona uh great uh what do we got for a score update so jeff after the getting the first three right of this round is up to 120 um, while Ken is just 10 behind at 110. Okay, still a close game. Unfortunately, not the ass-whooping I had, uh, yeah, clearly. had in mind. Well, I was hoping to create a game that would be competitive, entertaining, uh, and somewhat close. Uh, question number four. Uh, everybody's favorite actor, Hugh Jackman, recently released his last film, portraying the comic book character Wolverine. 
I'm going to give you a little bit of time here, including physical cameo appearances by Hugh. Physical cameo appearances. How many films has his iteration of Wolverine appeared in? Okay. I just need to think about it, and I should be able to have this. While you guys are thinking, I want to talk to Matt. Have you seen Logan? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it, no. I hear it's very good. Yeah. It's, it's on my it's on my list of a thousand movies I haven't seen to see, so. Oh, good. I, I well, now I can include Logan on my list. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I knew that one. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen all pretty much all the x-men movies and they're okay you know some yeah. are better than others but okay i have my answer ken is in jeff need a little I, more time? Ha- I have an answer that i will stick with you said including physical cameo appearances mm-hmm. physical cameo appearances okay and i'll clarify why i after think the answer. I, I understand i think okay so let's start with uh with jeff i went six okay okay i went with nine mm-hmm. so we have uh the original trilogy yeah. The three Wolverine movies, oh, including they made three Logan. Three Wolverine movies. If yeah. you count Logan. Wolverine Origins, the Wolverine. Let's we'll yeah. pretend Origins Logan. didn't exist. Yeah, that's the six I was. And thinking then there's of, his cameo in First Class. Mm-hmm. He's in Days of Future Past. He's in Apocalypse, I believe. And uh, I think that would make nine. And the uh, the non physical cameo is in Deadpool. Correct. When Deadpool has a cutout of his face under his mask. Correct answer is nine. Wow. Great job, Ken. Uh, so he was just recently in an interview and he was talking about when he decided to hang up uh, the character of Wolverine. Apparently he was at a dinner with Jerry Seinfeld in 2013 where Seinfeld was speaking about his own successful run with his television show telling Hugh that he should leave a little in the tank when he decides to hang up the claws and not overstay his welcome. And that's what kind of gave Hugh thanks, the Thanks, Seinfeld. Yep. yep, thanks, Seinfeld. All right, uh, question five. But aren't those the only good non-Marvel Universe movies? Some of them, not half of them. (laughs) (laughs) But but the ones he's in make up the majority of them. Yeah, he's the best part of all of them, pretty much. For the non-Marvel Cinematic Universe. X2 is really good. Yeah. I I wonder if they're going to recast him quickly, like they do Spider-Man, or you think they'll let it rest for a little bit? They they don't let anything rest. That's true, that's true. Comic movies do not. I mean, if you have money to make. He's the most popular X-Men character, like, so... All right, we're at question five again, and uh, just as I said uh, last round, this is our listener-submitted question. If you have a good question you'd like to send us to incorporate into the game, send us an email to trivialitypodcast at gmail.com with the subject line question five and the host's name that you would like to read it. Today's question comes from my girlfriend, Colleen, and uh, hopefully Colleen will join us on a future episode, but today's question from Colleen is going to be about one of her favorite book series, The Hunger Games. So here we go. Question five. In the Hunger Games trilogy of books, there are characters named Avox who voiced concern against the capital and were punished by having a body part removed. What was that body part? So I just watched all four Hunger Games movies. How convenient for you. About a month ago. I do have a thought on this. And I could could not tell you what the answer is. Are you kidding me? No. uh, I was basically playing games on my phone the entire time I'm watching it. Uh, it was more of like check it off my list of things to do. So you didn't really watch them. Uh, sort of. It was on in the background. That doesn't count. <laughs> in the background, just like the Avox in the series. Bring it a full circle. Uh, all right. So let's go with Jeff first. So I went with the one that would make sense if they're speaking out against people. I went with tongue removal. Okay. So their tongues were the body part. As, all right. As did I. Well, if Fox you are a voice. huge fan of old boy like Ken and I are. The answer would be tongue. Ooh, spoilers, man. Eh, no one knows. It's okay. <laughs> I haven't seen Old Boy. Oh, it's it's been long enough, I think, if you haven't seen it Statue by now. Well, I, all I said so was tongue. You don't know what happens and why. So. Fair enough. Yeah. 
Edmund obviously gets stuck to a pole in the wintertime. He gets stuck to a pole and he shoots himself in the eye with a BB gun. <laughs> Drinks his Ovaltine. Drinks his Ovaltine. All right. Uh, and eats a live octopus. That's a great scene. Question six, uh, bringing everything uh, to hopefully another correct answer. If I was performing a single or double genuflection, in what type of building would I most likely be in? A single or double genuflection, or another version of the word I'd be genuflecting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ken was quick to write something down on this okay. one. Surprising for Ken to write this down quickly, and I hope he's right, knowing him personally. <laughs> Give subtle clues to Jeff. Subtle clues to Jeff. Maybe. Or maybe I still have no idea. That's likely. The answer is not the Jetsons, I will tell you that. Do you want a, a specific answer? No, it could be or a general. general. Okay. It could be a general answer. I will. I have a few accepted answers. Okay. I think I know what genuflecting means. So I'm going to take a guess tangentially related and hope it's the correct answer. Okay. All right. Uh, so Ken was very quick to write his down. Uh, Let's... Let's go with Ken. What do you got? So I was raised Catholic. I do not remain a religious man. However, genuflect to me means to kneel. So I would assume a genufl- a single genuflection would be one knee, a double would be both knees. So I said church. Okay. Jeff? And I was thinking of a similar thing. I was thinking genuflection was bowing for some reason. So I went uh, more in a martial arts direction and I went with a dojo. That's, that's interesting. That's not a big guess. Uh, Ken uh, hit upon something where he said my name, which was a little bit of a clue. You might remember that Tim Tebow arguably made genuflecting cool again with his Tebowing all over the place. The answer would be a church or house of worship as genuflecting is to lower one's body briefly by bending one knee to the ground, typically in worship or as a sign of respect. Yeah, as I said, that word is incredibly (laughs) familiar to me and I never really considered that maybe um, it wouldn't be pretty common for non-catholics or non-catholic raised folks uh you know to not know it but i guess that would be one of those things that's just ingrained in uh, in certain culture exactly and uh there's a funny not a funny picture but it's it's just an interesting picture if you google genuflection there's a great vintage drawing of how to do it with like a little uh not qu- not choir boy what an altar boy choir boy <laughs> you're a choir boy compared to me <laughs> I'm going to ram my fist into your stomach. Okay, sorry. Where's the impression jar? <laughs> impression jar. End of days. Schwarzenegger classic. Okay. Uh, we're moving on to question seven. Actually, Matt, give us a score update. Yeah, so Ken is actually taking the lead. He is now up 140 to 130. He's gotten the last four questions right. Wow. Uh, I see the sweat coming down Jeff's brow. Question seven. This Australian pop star and cancer survivor was the only artist to have her first 13 releases go top 10 in the UK. Jeff, let's start with you. I went Kylie. Oh. As in Kylie Minogue. Mm, You're probably right. I'm pretty sure she had breast cancer. I went earlier and said Olivia Newton-John. But she she might not. Oh, wait. She did have an English accent in Greece. Wait. She was Australian in Greece. She was Australian. Oh, boy. (laughs) So... Uh, Ken is correct. Olivia really? Newton- wait, wait. Olivia Newton-John is Australian. Oh. But the correct answer to the question is Kylie Minogue. Good job. Good job, Jeff. She did have breast cancer. Beat it. Went right back on tour. She's a badass. Good nice. job, Jeff. Good job. 
I knew I knew that she was also a survivor of breast cancer. Very nice redirect. I by. just immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I was so devastated. I hope people. I was like, I'm sure I'm right. I hope everyone I just, in their cars are like, you're wrong. It's I just not her. immediately wrote Olivia Newton-John and didn't think about Kylie Minogue, which I also know about. But that was a good, good get, Jeff. No, that was a good guess by Ken, though. I mean, there's not, you know, too many well-known Australian pop stars. Um, as right. far as I can tell, who are tell, also cancer survivors. We're also cancer survivors. As, as far as I can tell, she's like the the one, right? Yeah. I mean, she's exceptionally popular mm-hmm. in Australia. Uh, all right. So, question eight, uh, sort of in the same vein as as music, uh, we're going to be going to musicals, or more specifically, oh. Broadway musicals. This musical, which shares the same name as the film it is based on, includes song titles such as "Practically Perfect" and "Cherry Tree Lane." Okay. I'm hoping those song titles will jog your memory. I didn't want to give you the easy ones. You can add Broadway musicals as a category that I'm not great with. Okay. Yeah, I think I know this. Playing drums can... for a local production. That's why I put this question in here. Playing drums? Back on the set? Back on the set. After I 15 once... years, Neil? Well, back no, on one, the set? Once a year, I play drums for a musical. Last time it was, uh, it was Oklahoma. Did Music Man, Oliver... It's back on the throne. Back on the throne. Throwing out ideas for you guys. <laughs> These are different musicals. Oh, I just gave you a lot of clues that it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I, well, I didn't I'm, think it I was have, any of those. I have my answer written. I was certain it wasn't Oklahoma, so I think we're good there. That is a long musical to sit through, especially behind a drum set. Not too many cherry tree lanes in Oklahoma. No. If I recall correctly. No, it's just dust balls. You guys locked in? I'm, I'm locked in. Uh... Yeah, why why not? I'll, I'll put something down. All right, let's start with Ken. All right, well, uh, glad you said practically perfect, because I think that would refer to uh, Mary Poppins. So Mary Poppins. Jeff? I know it's definitely wrong. I went Bye Bye Birdie. Mm. Uh, so Bye Bye Birdie, I'm just going to say one thing. I did play drums drums for that show. I, I, I cannot stand the song, We Love You, Conrad. It's all throughout the musical. I'm not going to sing it now, but just Google it. it or ever. It's going to ruin <laughs> your life. Okay. So, Jeff, would it have helped if I said a spoonful of sugar or let's go fly a kite? Yeah. All right. Well, the answer is Mary Poppins. Ken is correct. Yeah, I remember from the movie, practically perfect in every way. That's right. Yeah. The Poppins. Also, Saving Mr. Banks. Quite a film. Mm-hmm. Saving Mr. Banks, yeah. Question number nine is a fun fact that I always love throwing out, and uh, I, I'm sure you guys might know this. If not, it is an interesting fact and something you should research after. This Pulp Fiction actor originally had the role of Marty McFly in Back to the Future before it was recasted with Michael J. Fox. I'm good. So oh, what's that guy's name? For your listeners, uh, Michael J. Fox wasn't the original choice for Marty McFly. They spent a little over two weeks filming with this actor when Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg decided to recast him. Hmm. I know the. I do know the guy. You know his face? I'm, I'm positive I know the guy. And I know you're locked in. I know who he played in Pulp Fiction. He was the drug dealer. Uma Thurman's convulsing on the floor. He's getting the uh, syringe ready. It's that guy. Can't remember his name, and I always forget his name. So, he's he's definitely an actor whose face you remember. You never yeah. remember his name. It's like a redheaded guy. Yeah, he's in Mr. Jealousy, which is a film that uh, me and Jeff liked back oh, in the is day it, from Noah is Baumbach. It, is it Mr. Jealousy? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I already wrote an incorrect answer then. I just can't remember his name. I gotta, I gotta step out. You're tapping. That's the guy, though. 
Fair enough. All right, Jeff. I'll give you my incorrect answer. I went uh, Travolta. Travolta. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so he played Lance Vincent's drug dealer in Pulp Fiction. Is probably most known for his work in the film Mask, starring Cher. It is Eric Stoltz. Eric yep. Stoltz. Yeah. Uh, I recommend looking on YouTube for the lost Back to the Future footage, and you can see the difference in performances. I had him uh, and Marty McFly. I had heard that before, so I'm yeah. I just would have never come up with that name. Matt, what are the scores going to the final question of regulation? Um, so Ken is up 150 to 140. Okay, still a close game. This last question, question 10, I found very interesting. You might know it. I did not, but I thought it was something I wanted to share. So why did the FBI call Ted Kaczynski the Unabomber? Hmm. Once you learn this, you won't forget it. I thought it was super interesting. That's interesting. It's funny because we were just uh, having dis- a tangential discussion about the Unabomber. Well, you and I were joking about it the other day, right? Yeah. Well, not joking. Well, <laughs> joking about the thing that's tangentially related to the Unabomber. Inappropriate amount of joking for the No, Unabomber. we were talking about um, Teddy Bomber. It's mm-hmm. a character on uh, anime Cowboy Bebop, inspired by Ted Kaczynski. But I, less less serious. I can give you like a small hint, not not very much of a hint. It's up to I, Jeff if he wants if he wants one. No, I don't care. Yeah, give us a hint. Do you know how to spell Unabomber? Yeah, that, is that a rhetorical question or? No, no yeah. How do you? I, I'm going to spell it for you, just in case you. Knew, I just want to make sure you knew how. Yeah, isn't it U N I Bomber? It is U uh, N A B O M B E R. So it's write that A U N A B O M B E R. If that Weird. helps you out, it will factor into the to the answer. But if you want to write that down yeah. to help you, <clears throat> go ahead. Well, with that new information, it kind of messed me up. Did you know this one, Matt? Nope. I would have thought. I mean, I thought it was a giant unibrow but I know that's not right I had a similar thought which I, I thought when I first funny. heard his name I always thought it was like a unibrow too because well, that you, picture of him you messed the, you messed you messed up my train of thought with the with the new information it was a real so, uh, afraid I'm not situation. gonna I'm not gonna answer in fear of you're gonna tap out yep alright how about just giving me anything what do you got I got nothing he worked at Unilever alright I'll take that okay it's not a real answer. Matt, Matt's, Matt's also, Matt's not, playing. I'm also <laughs> not playing. I will accept Matt's an- answer as Unilever for Ken. What's going on in your brain there, Jeff? I'm trying to think of associations with this spelling, and uh, nothing's coming to mind. But I'm sure as soon as you say it, it'll make perfect sense. Yep, I've got no idea. I wonder if it was maybe a uh, an acronym or or a location where he was. So um, the reason Ted Kaczynski was called the Unabomber was his early mail bombs were sent to universities, UN, oh. and airlines, A. Hmm. Unabomber. I thought it was very interesting. Interesting, yeah. Um, I may have heard that, but I... If, I had it never sounds, heard it. It sounds familiar, but I, I can't place one. I yeah, I never heard, heard that, that before. And one of the interesting things I read while doing the research was 2012 marked the 50-year reunion for the Harvard class of 1962. A lot of 1962 questions today, which was Kaczynski's uh, Harvard class. Members of the class were allowed to submit updates as to what had happened in their lives, and Kaczynski submitted his, listing the prison as his address, prisoner as his occupation, and eight life sentences in the awards section. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I mean, is, what else are you going to do, though? What else you are know? you going to do? Yeah. That is the end of regulation. Matt, what do we got? So going into the final round, we have Ken at 150 and Jeff at 140. Great. So we explained a little bit uh, about how the final round works, and you might might have been familiar with it uh, from previous episodes. But I'm going to have five distinct categories and five questions that follow those distinct categories. Jeff and Ken are both going to have a chance to wager any and all of the points that they have accrued during regulation. Uh, so what we're going to do is uh, tell them these five categories, and they can wager between zero and 30 points 
per question as long as they have that uh, in their accrued points. All right, here are your categories for the final round. Question one will be sports scandals. Question two will be Academy Award losses. Question three, Billboard Top 100. Question four, Deadly Insects. And question five, Women in Space. And I'll give you guys some time to think of your wagers to hand over to Matt. I don't feel good about any of this. Not a thing. Yeah, this is not strong, <laughs> but I'm, I'm wagered. My category titles, not confusing, but they're a little broad, so I'm curious. I'm, I'm happy to see what your reactions are going to be to the actual questions. Everybody is locked in. All I right. I think I went a little too big on this one. But I, think I went uh, too big on all of these. So yeah. we might have a new cream of the crop. Let's see what happens. All right, guys. Question one. In what sport would you have seen the Montreal Screwdrop? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Question two. Academy Award losses. Director Steven Spielberg has been nominated for seven Academy Awards as Best Director, taking home two trophies for Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List. Of the remaining five nominations, Spielberg lost to the same director twice, in 2005 and 2012. Who is that director? Just for your notes, 2005, 2012 is when he lost twice to this director. Question number three, category of Billboard Top 100. Musician Rihanna just recently passed Michael Jackson on the list of most Billboard 100 top 10 hits of all time by securing number 30 with her song Love on the Brain. However, including Rihanna, there are only three artists who are in the 30 plus club. Number one has 38 top 10 hits and number two has 34 top 10 hits. Just name one of those artists. Okay. Question four in the category of deadly insects. This deadly insect inhabits much of mid-continental Africa between the Sahara and the Kalahari deserts and feeds on the blood of vertebrate animals while transmitting diseases that kill 250 to 300,000 people per year. Can you get that one more time? Mm -hmm. Yep, we're good. This deadly insect inhabits much of mid-continental Africa between the Sahara and the Kalahari deserts and feeds on the blood of vertebrate animals while transmitting diseases that kill 250 to 300,000 people per year. Okay. All right. Last question, women in space. In our solar system, where would you find surface features that include ones named Margaret Mead, Josephine Baker, and Cleopatra? Hmm. Surface features, you said. That's correct. I'm assuming you're looking for a specific celestial object? Yes. <laughs> okay. Give me one second like to... Space. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take a second to think about this Academy Award one. Lost to this director twice. I will not put my personal opinion of if I agree with that or not. Yeah. I'm sure you don't. You don't. <laughs> I can't even think of the 2005 film. It's it's tough. 2005 might have been Catch Me If You Can. No, that was earlier. That was 2002. Two, two or three? 2002. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll stick with what I have. I think it's wrong, though. All right. All right. Uh, and is Jeff in? Yeah. Let me write down my final answer. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. 
The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All right, so everyone's answers are in for our final round. Uh, let's start with the first question, which was in the category of sports scandals. What did everyone wager, Matt? So in sports scandals, Ken and Jeff both wagered 10. All right, 10 points. Uh, the question was, in what sport would you have seen the Montreal screw job? Ken, what is your answer? So I went with baseball. Okay. Jeff? I originally had baseball, thinking of the Alouettes and uh, not the Alouettes. That's their football team. Expos. Uh, Expos, yeah, I was getting there. Um, but I, I chickened out and I went with hockey. Mm. All right, I was hoping people were going to say baseball because of Montreal, but Matt, what is the correct answer? Uh, the correct answer is pro wrestling. It is when uh, Vince McMahon came down to the ring and ended the match uh, between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart uh, because Bret Hart was leaving the company. Bret Hart was not told that he was going to lose the match, and it kind of jump-started the attitude era of wrestling. And he threw a fit in Montreal, he, his hometown. He punched Vince McMahon in the back. <laughs> got it so all of the sports that i don't know are pro wrestling pro wrestling got or it. monster trucks got monster it. trucks. oh yeah um, you, you you got me on that one or monster trucks that sound like pro wrestlers uh, uh all right so the uh second question was in the category of academy award losses matt what did everyone wager uh ken wagered 20 and nothing for jeff all right Lucky so since you. since jeff can lose uh nothing what was your answer i went scorsese all right, well, Scorsese only won one Oscar yeah. for The Departed, but he's been nominated eight times, so the answer is incorrect, but a great director. Ken? I also incorrectly went with Scorsese, knowing that it was incorrect. I thought maybe uh, David O. Russell, but I could not think of what would have been in 2005, and that just didn't seem right to me. So, Well, he defeated Spielberg in 2005 with Brokeback Mountain and ah, defeated Spielberg with Munich in 2012 with uh, Life of Pi. Sorry, he defeated him uh, over Munich with Brokeback Mountain in 2005 and defeated Lincoln with Life of Pi in 2012. Ang Lee. Ang Lee is the correct answer. Wow. Figures. All right. Uh, question three's category was Billboard Top 100. What did they wager? So Ken wagered zero and Jeff wagered 10. All right. Jeff's the only one with something to lose here. So let's start with Ken. You have nothing to lose. What did you guess? Well, with uh, T-Swift. Okay. Taylor Swift. Well, that's, a, that's a lot of top 10 hits for... A youngster like Taylor Swift. Well, I don't, uh, I don't do the the pops. Jeff, what I'll do you listen think? To the pops. I went with an older pop star. I went Madonna. All right. Well, uh, so the top three, like I said, Rihanna is number three with thirty top ten hits, with 
34 top 10 hits at number two is the Beatles and with, oh. with 38 top 10 hits the number one Madonna oh. uh, so had, oh, had the screwed. Jackson 5 or the Jackson singles counted Michael Jackson would then have an additional 11 making his total 40 however had the Beatles singles counted Paul McCartney would have an additional 34 <laughs> giving him 57 so he so it's pretty crazy uh, I don't think you're out of this yet because I definitely got the last question wrong, and I put a lot on that All one. Right. So we'll see how this goes. getting saucy in here, guys. Yeah. I saucy. think we're tied right now. Yeah, Matt, what's the score update? Well, actually, um, uh, Jeff is up 20, uh, 140 to 120, because Ken wagered 10 and 20 on the last two, respectively. Okay. Category four was deadly insects. What were their wagers? So Ken wagered 10, and Jeff wagered 20. Okay. So I asked you guys uh, what deadly insect feeds on the blood of vertebrate animals and transmit diseases that kill many, many people. Uh, Ken, what was your answer? The mosquito. Okay. I went with the malaria transporting mosquito. Unfortunately. Is it the tsetse fly? It is the tsetse fly. Oh. Spelled T-S-E, T-S-E, also known as tick-tick flies. Oh, I lost. So these right. flies are called uh, multivoltine, referring to organisms having more than two broods or generations per year. And they typically produce about four generations yearly and up to 31 generations total over their entire lifespans. It's pretty crazy. All right, Setsy Fly. That one's going to get you tonight. All right, last category could come down to this. Women in space. What were their wagers, Matt? So Ken, uh, not feeling very confident uh, with the zero. Jeff, uh, thinking he knew a lot about space women, goes for 30. Um, <laughs> I do know a lot about actual female human women who've been in space. Um, not this particular answer, though. I love that. That should be on Jeff's business card. Uh, purve purveyor of space. <laughs> I know. Women. I know about human women. <laughs> I knew about human women. Okay. Been in space. Uh, all right. So I asked you in our solar system, where would you find surface features that include ones named for Margaret Mead, Josephine Baker, and Cleopatra? Let's start with Ken. What did you say? I just said Mars. Okay. So I know that the expression is men are from Mars, women are from Venus, but I still went Mars. Men are from Mars, but women are from Venus. The correct answer is Venus. Oh, that's got to hurt. Um, Margaret Mead happens to be the largest crater on Venus, and the only pictures ever returned from the surface of Venus were sent back by the Soviet Venera spacecraft. Yeah, the atmosphere is so thick, I didn't think we had a good map of it, which is why I didn't go with Venus. All right, so Matt, it is time to find out who is the cream of the crop. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in, but the cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. All right, so after crunching some numbers here on my piece of paper that I wrote everything down on, uh, Ken is the winner today, 110 to 90. Boo. Uh, oh, come on. It was a rough final, final game there, kind of. <laughs> Jeff uh, losing 50 points and Ken only losing 40. So, so that final uh, round so my was cowardice, really my cowardice came through for me. Good, that was the deciding game, factor of the final round. Great game, guys. That was really good. Uh, Matt, why don't you uh, take us out? All right. Uh, thanks for listening, you guys. Um, you could always uh, catch us at trivialitypodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at trivialitypod. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe on all of your podcast feeds, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Get it. You uncultured swine. What are you looking at, you hockey puck?